Folks, hope you enjoyed that sh- song, uh, Jungle. It's one, it's, it's a real sports one, so I know that you're kind of getting pumped up for our foursome in the force. Uh, we're going to go, of course, across to our four lovelies in just one moment. But before I do, there's four other lovelies. Aston Villa 4-1 up against Liverpool. This, I mean, 6-1 for Spurs against um, Man United, 4-1 for Villa against Liverpool. Okay, this this is getting a bit breathless. Running breathless, even um, running back earlier on today. West Ham beating Leicester City three 0 at home. That's a big come down for Leicester after beating Man City five two last week. Spur, uh, Southampton winning two 0 against West Brom. Arsenal two one winners against Sheffield United. The Sheffield United coach Chris Wilder complaining massively about that, but of course the Saudi owned club seem to be bringing a lot of money. Wolves sneaking past Fulham one 0 today as well. Uh, yesterday. Chelsea battering Crystal Palace 4-0 Everton 4-2 against Brighton and Hove Albion Leeds 1-1 with Man City as we mentioned earlier on and Newcastle 3-1 winners against Burnley Okay, folks we're going to go now to our force and we're going to discuss something that is annoying us all Um, it's something that I think that we need to well, talk about seriously. Before we do, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs start tomorrow. We'll cover that next week because, of course, this is like the 16 teams in this year. Uh, Tampa Bay are number one in the AL uh, and in the National League, that's the American League, National League, uh, the Los Angeles, uh, not the Angels, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the number one seeds there as well. They're expected to go through. Tampa Bay playing the Toronto Blue Jays. So we're going to see how that goes um, in the next couple of weeks. Of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the 
Stanley Cup this past week, 4-2. They, in the final game, the sixth game of the series, they beat the Dallas Stars 2-0. So they win that 4-0. So 4-2, uh, uh, sorry, 4-2 overall series win. Congratulations to them. The NBA playoffs, uh, Los Angeles are leading Miami 2-0. They're playing again tomorrow morning, 2.30 Moscow time. Looks like that could be a sweep. We're going to cover it at next week because, again, we have an awful lot more to do. So we're going to speak about COVID right now with our four lovelies um, because, of course, matches being cancelled left, right and centre. We've got people complaining, people not wanting to travel, people not wanting to play in tennis, for example. The cycling messed up. We know that the Giro d'Italia is going on right now. However, breathless on that, I'm going to welcome in one by one. Isol, you can hear me loud and clear? I can hear you loud and clear. Lovely. Uh, Peter P, you can hear me loud and clear? Yep. Okay. Uh, Andy Mack, you can hear me? I think you can see me still, right? I kind of can, yeah. And um, <laughs> Alex B, you're there as a koala. No, you're not. You're yeah. just your, your letters in, in uh, Cyrillic. Sorry, you go. Okay. Listen, we're going to start off with, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're, you're all going to give me your cases of when there's been postponements or cancellations of what's happened. One major one, because it's very close to Peter P's heart. And I'm going to preface this by saying Peter P had COVID. So he is someone, speaking yeah. to you tonight, who had COVID, has come through it on the far side. Um, I saw him, he'd lost a heck of a lot of weight. Peter, I just say that Peter is a tall, tall guy. Um, some people uh, call him a long street of misery, but I don't agree with Alex on that. <laughs> I think he's just a big, tall guy with, you know, kind of like hidden muscle. Um, I know, Peter, in all seriousness. Oh, Alex. Okay, listen, listen, he doesn't need to be ganged up again like he was in Verona. Let's leave that there. Right, um, Peter. Uh, all right, I, I see how it is. I was, I was, I was going to hold off on all the comments about uh, you being shorter than me and, and all that. <laughs> but, but you know what? You know what? Now, now that I see how it turned out, me. Uh, of course, slowly, as you said, bringing it in back to, uh, I mean, me, of course, missing missing all the shows for like a year now yeah. because of my my service and me coming back and you roast me for it. All right. All right. I see how it is now. We're just welcoming you back to let you know we love you. If we didn't make fun of you, you know we didn't love you. There you go. Right. Peter, um, the New England Patriots, who are, of course, your team up in Boston, uh, their quarterback who they brought in, the, the, I said, really, really, you know, one of the, could be a potential all-time great if he gets his act together, Cam Newton. He um, yeah. got ill with COVID and the game had to be postponed from today till tomorrow. Tell us the background and uh, a little bit more about it. All right, Cam Newton, or as I like to call him, the young Brady. <laughs> uh, he he got he got uh, COVID, as as you all just heard, and uh, of course the uh, Patriots tested everybody on the team, all the personnel, and it turns out that he is indeed the only one who was sick. He's a, the only one who caught the virus, and so they postponed the game because of all the like, it, it had because they had to do all the tests and like uh, they had to run a lot of tests. It's like Two or three tests you have to run before you're all clear, and uh, looks like he'll be out. Uh, for well, definitely, definitely will be out for the Chiefs game uh, that's happening tomorrow, Monday. And from what I think, from my personal experience, I think he'll probably be out for the next game, which is with, on October 11th with the Broncos, and maybe the third game, which is uh, uh, 25th. But he might recover. And play the will play the third game with the 49ers. Okay, listen, Peter. Um, before we move on, I'm going. I'm going to uh, call in Eastlet now in just a moment uh, for her case. Um, not just she's sure. had COVID, but just, 
Peter, what, what, just tell us, what's it like having COVID and how long did it take you to get over it? Just quickly tell us. It's, all right, it's not a popular opinion, and like, but it's not as scary as uh, it's generally made out to be. Because like, for my case, I've lost sense of taste and sense of uh, smell, pretty much, and maybe had like a cough, and that's all I had. Uh, but I like it's it's gonna be kind of uh, no, like not selfish, but like it's just gonna be because like I'm a I'm a I'm a young man, so to say. Uh, so it's it's diff- a bit different with people who are like younger. It's a lot like um, it, it's a lot harsher when it comes to people of like like I'll, I'm a, I'm gonna say of elderly. So, I'm glad uh, you didn't put me into that category because I would yeah, say, okay, yeah, I, <laughs> I can feel that coming. <laughs> I could feel it. I'm going to say, yeah, uh, P- uh, Peter uh, P. Uh, lost his sense of taste. When did you have a sense of taste? Okay, right, moving on quickly to Easel right, Cody. Right. Oh, <laughs> Easel, over to you. Oh, God, okay. Easel. Um, All right, coming, coming from a locomotive fan. Oh, <laughs> A, yes, A. Uh, okay, right, Isolt, a rugby cancellation that really baffles us. Well, this one doesn't just baffle me, it actually annoys me because a few weeks ago, I was saying how in a different competition, Cast, um, the French side, had been justifiably aggrieved when they were told when they had three positives among their team and one among their um, support staff that their game with Leicester was forfeited and then over the course of the last few days it emerged that Sale Sharks had 16 16 positives within their team so here's what happens they have to have a big discussion about whether or not Sale's game will be postponed and you can think okay right that's fine maybe they're looking into things except for the fact that when Project Restart happened for Premiership Rugby, they made a decision that when a game had to be put off as a result of COVID, it was going to be cancelled due to the fixture congestions. But they decided, do you know what, guys? Actually, it turns out that Sale are in contention for the uh, competition win this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to ignore our own rules and we're going to postpone the game. But it gets better. Sale last week played against Northampton Saints who were due to play Gloucester this weekend and in their wisdom Premiership Rugby went okay bit of bad news some of the guys in the Saints so that's Northampton Saints in the Saints squad need to isolate why do they need to isolate because they were exposed to some of the guys who've tested positive in sale okay that's great let's have them isolate except here's the kicker In rugby, there is a requirement that you have a minimum number of front row specialised players. So it's a a player welfare issue that you have these players on your squad. But we're at the end of the season. Northampton Saints can't get anyone in. And some of their specialised players are now isolating. So instead of their game being postponed, they had their game cancelled. So it's just one rule for one, another rule for another. And it's just... It's farcical. And then, look, you see these sorts of things and you go, OK, these teams will get through it because this is the end of their season. But also, but, 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 but the, I understand that. I mean, and also then there's a huge financial, they're talking about the you know, rugby league in England is going to go bankrupt and the rugby union clubs as well are, are struggling. So it, I, I'm still trying to make sense of it all because, you know, from reading, from listening to you, from watching things online, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, Alex B, the NBA, I mean, what were the numbers? And, you know... 
what happens, for example, what were the numbers of people who got sick with COVID in the NBA? And um, what will happen, for example, if uh, it goes to game, well, it will go to game four anyway. uh, But in game four, what happens then if, you know, someone is sick before it? So, you know, Tuesday's game meant to be kind of the decider of the series. And, you know, LA are, you know, 3-0 up. What happens if that's postponed? What do they do? Oh, wow. So, um, so first of all, the NBA, they did have, um, they had a few cases when this whole thing started. Obviously, Rudy Gobert started this whole thing. Um, after that, Russell Westbrook, Nikolai Jokic. But currently, they have zero positive, well, officially, they have zero positive COVID-19 cases. So that's good. I mean, I don't think they're going to postpone any games. I don't think they really need to. They're kind of in a good spot right now. The Lakers are up two wins against the Miami Heat. Uh, I saw the first game. I didn't get to see the second game. But uh, from what I saw, the Lakers have, you know, they've just been dominating. It's not even close. Like, the Miami Heat are playing very well, but, you know, they just don't have the answers for the Lakers here. But uh, Alex, Alex, what happens? Like, I mean, you've got like, okay, they're, they're scheduled games. So, okay, tonight's game for you, earlier in the morning for us. And there's no game then, for example, Monday evening. So, okay, that, that, that'll be cancelled anyway. Or that's, that's not uh, in the mix. But if, for example, someone gets sick in the meantime, um, can they move a game, say, for example, from Tuesday? Because they've got two potential game days on Wednesday and Thursday. What, what could happen? Well, if somebody gets sick, um, yeah, they would have to postpone the last two games. Um, obviously, yeah, that would be very weird. I, I don't know if I... Yeah, like, obviously, you know, you can just hope that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, the, but, yeah, that'd be really bad. But uh, there's only, you know, the if the Lakers can wrap this up in the next two games, then we don't have to worry about that. That's true, well, that is. Yeah, you're I'm dead not. right. Yeah, yeah, so fingers crossed, like, LeBron doesn't get sick or something in the meantime. It goes, doesn't yeah. go driving to Atlanta to some strip club for some chicken wings. Okay, um, Andy Mack, you saw something in Italy that made your teeth itch, or is that something in the dungeon? <laughs> Just chatter. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, the the... the the thing that Esau said about one rule for, for one and different for the other. Uh, Juventus, prime example today in Serie A. Um, they were due to play Napoli. Uh, it was due to kick off about half an hour ago. Uh, last week, Napoli thumped Genoa, who later tested, I think they had six players test positive uh, in that game. Uh, Napoli then obviously were isolating and had to go through tests. The first round of tests and results, I think, came out on Thursday. After playing that game, uh, it was confirmed that Polish midfielder Piotr Zielinski was positive and also one of their coaching staff. Um, however, this is where it's all fallen apart, is that Serie A had decided that Napoli had sufficient players who were negative at the time uh, to fulfil their uh, commitment to the game on Sunday. Uh, however, the Italian health ministry said they would not be playing due to a surge in cases in Campania, which is the region that Napoli is in. Uh, and then this morning, the game was still scheduled to be going ahead. Um, Napoli were, however, refused um, to, for, for their coach to leave the region due to that spike in coronavirus cases by uh, the national health authorities. Juventus, however, said that they would be going ahead with it as planned. So it looks like they're now pushing for a 3-0 victory by de facto for Napoli not turning up, as I understand 
the referee and Juventus players, I think, took to the pitch about 30 minutes ago. Um, obviously, the heat map would be quite interesting because Napoli <coughs> never showed up. Well, do, do, as far as I know, Andy, I'm just look, looking at the details on that. Um, and the standard is that the team has to take the field. Referee blows the whistle. Um, the one team then put the ball out of play, for example, so they could go up and score a goal. And if they, if there's, you know, if the other team aren't there to be able to, you know, kick the ball out or you have know, to have their own tip off in a certain space of time, the match then is deemed to be uh, awarded to the. You know, the team who were there in the field. It happened, as Isla probably remember, well, before her time, many years ago, when a team in Ireland refused to come out for extra time, said, no, 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 we, we didn't know there was extra time. And uh, so the, the team, Dublin, had to come out and literally just kick the ball down the field and score. And that was it. Then referee said, we award the game to uh, Dublin. I think it was Cork that didn't show up, but what would you expect from Cork? Anyway, right, um, listen, to wrap this up, because I'm looking like, you know, the English Premier League have turned around and said that uh, clubs will have to, have to uh, fulfil fixtures, even if they're down to 14 players, and that includes under-21s. They have to, OK? Matches will not be called off if the team suffers a COVID-19 outbreak. The La Liga in Spain have also said that, like, OK, they're going to safeguard it, but at the same time, if... Uh, there's a 13-man squad uh, between first-team reserve players. They have to play. If they don't have 13 players between the first and reserve teams, then they don't play. So it leaves, if it's drop below 14 in England, below 13 in Spain, it's something. Um, starting with you, Peter. Peter, um, what like what, what do you think is fair? I mean, if, if, if teams are, are COVID, should, should they be allowed to postpone? Give me your 30-second take on should be allowed to postpone, should the game be rescheduled? What should happen? I think uh, definitely. Uh, I think definitely they should be rescheduled, not postponed, because uh, it's a very long process. Well, for if somebody gets tested, that like everybody in the club has to get tested, and like it's just a holdup altogether. But again, we don't want fans to miss out on like on the experience on all like the, the games. Uh, and we want the score, like the, want the final scores to be fair and whatnot, because like, you know, some some team may not get to play because because of uh, I don't know some somebody testing positive or whatever. So I definitely think that for the for the meantime, the they there need to be a lot of like rescheduling probably. Okay. Even though even though like, <laughs> fans would be outraged, but. Has no. To be, yeah, no, no. Listen, I I understand with that because we see here in Russia, like there's, you know, ten and a half thousand here today. Okay, ten and a half thousand. Okay, there's three thousand people supposedly gotten well, but over ten thousand. So we're going to face that very, very soon. If uh, scenes from last night's game in the Ukraine Arena are to go away, Isold, your thirty second take. What should happen? Should matches be uh, just simply rescheduled rather than cancelled or awarded walkovers to the team that has less sick players? Um, I think what we need to look at here is an overall picture. We need to look at, depending on the sport, the congestion of fixtures coming up. So let's say in football, there are multiple tournaments that teams can be involved in at once. There are multiple um, teams that teams can be involved in because they can also play international. You have to look at the possibility of postponing and the impact that has financially and the impact that it has on player welfare. And I think you just have to have parity across what you're doing. If you do it for one, you do it for all. There is one small positive that I do want to mention briefly about the sales situation. And what they are doing is they're saying, before we play the game next Wednesday, when it's been rescheduled or postponed to, they're going in to ensure 
that Sale complied with all the COVID procedures, okay. they, even though they've had an outbreak. And if they didn't, they're not getting the postponed fixture. And I oh. think that oh. is the key thing. Okay, that, that is fair enough. That is fair play, Nian. Um Alex B, quickly, uh, your 30 seconds. Should teams be allowed to postpone? Should they have the fixtures rescheduled? Yeah, I think they should be allowed to postpone and do all that because it's not, uh, you know, as Pete said, somebody, it could, you know, some unimportant player could not be able to play and something like that. And um, that could just sabotage the game. And, um, yeah, if, if you, we, we want to see the, you know, in this case, the Lakers and the Miami Heat be at full strength when they're playing. Uh, we don't want to see somebody emerge because the other team didn't have their key players. No, that's fair enough. Andy Mack, finally with you. Uh, reschedule, should it be just equal across the board? Uh, well, the whole thing's a joke at the moment. I think sport's taking the pish because, quite frankly, they think they're above the authorities. Um, I mean, we've got the case where the health ministry in Italy thinks, uh, Serie A thinks it's bigger than the health ministry. We've got cases now where UEFA needs to take some responsibility because they've got three or four international breaks. Why isn't there one? Why are you making players travel? Well, there's travel bans for everybody else. Why, why is sport getting the exception to go and travel and spread this further around when clearly they can't even clamp down on it in their own countries? Um, so the whole thing needs rescheduled, but they should have thought about this at the start. Okay, listen, Andy, thank you for that. Thank you, Isla. Thank you, Peter P. Thank you, Alex P. Uh, we're going to come back with the guys, of course, later on in the show in our Big Fat Filthy Quiz. We're going to go out to the break right now and then come back, of course, with Gabe Polsky to talk about the uh, Red Penguins. But this is a song that uh, might have likes. This is like when you're sort of down on the beach, watching the sun go down, having a cocktail in the hand or a cup of tea even in your hand. Uh, this is Fitz and the Tantrums and I Just Want to Shine. So uh, this one's for you.
Okay, welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, still with you. Hope you enjoyed that last song. Again, it has that kind of holiday or just back from holiday vibe where you're kind of still in a good mood. And, of course, we are continuing our good mood because we know here on the show and listeners, you know that we love ice hockey. Uh, it is ongoing here in the KHL at the moment. It's kind of, it's a very, very strange season. Teams bubbled. It's, it's, it's very odd. It's an odd situation all around. Of course, we mentioned in the last segment that the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, a lot of Russian involvement in that. And the next person we're going to have on is someone who, well, look, he has made some brilliant documentary films and uh, we're going to discuss them in just a moment. Uh, what we're going to discuss right now is a movie, uh, documentary film, I should say, that was premiered here last night at the uh, Carrot Theatre on Novi Arbat. Uh, great reaction to it. Uh, it's one that goes back 27 years, kind of to the, you know, when Russia was beginning to come to terms with what sports can do, what sports was, what sports should be. Stuff that, uh, you know, in North America where they have just, you know, it's not just uh, sports you go and you leave money in the stadium because it's it's better than sport it's greater than sport it's something that builds a community it's something that we still don't really get here in Russia um, what happened was basically that the well no look so I'm going to let the man himself explain it because uh, this is a great story it's a great movie and uh, I'm delighted to welcome on to make his Russian debut with us Gabe Polsky Gabe you're very very welcome on to the show this evening oh thanks Alan thanks for having me Listen, I should say it's actually afternoon or early afternoon with you. It's just lunchtime. Um, first of all, how's the weather out in LA? Uh, it's pretty hot. It's uh, <laughs> very—I don't know what. Maybe maybe eighty high eighties. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! And listen, you coming from the, the the far side of the track? You're you're from Chicago. Went to school in Yale. Yeah. Played ice hockey. I know there as well. Um, first of all, just tell us, you know, what is your fascination with ice hockey? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I grew up playing ice hockey and I was pretty competitive, went played Division One in college. And, and, you know, I'd always, you know, that's in the U.S., that's probably the highest level you can go before the pros unless you're playing Canada Junior. So, you know, I wanted to see how far I could take it. And, you know, uh, so I played in college and, and didn't really uh my coach was very defensive in college and I was more of an offensive player and we did kind of clashed a little bit. And so I didn't get a, you know, the kind of playing time I needed, but yeah, I was fascinated by hockey and ultimately, you know, I was really fascinated by the Soviet style play, you know, in the eighties with, and even before then they're, they're really uh, amazing offensive combinations and, you know, how they, saw the game it was more of kind of finesse and 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 the way that they played with each other and the passing combinations was just brilliant almost like kind of uh, i would say you know spanish soccer the the attacks the the different combinations it was just really interesting and beautiful to watch so that's what i love about hockey is 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 sort of the high speeds the the creative maneuvering and passing and that's what what sort of soviet hockey was known for and that kind of got me into the world of I guess Soviet hockey. My parents are from the former Soviet Union. They came from Ukraine, and and I'm first generation in the United States. So uh, that's that kind of all combined to kind of make me interested. And I guess uh, you know the Soviet Union and Russia and and kind of the culture and the different differences and and psychologies between let's say American or Western 
mentality and 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 Russian or you know former Soviet kind yeah. of mentalities, psychologies, and I kind of have explored that in a little bit of my work. Well, because that's I mean I, I saw Red Army and and I yeah. for me it was a I mean there was of course the ESPN thirty for thirty one uh, on the uh, the the American on ice um, and. When I compared it, there were just two really well balanced documentaries that kind of delved into the kind of the human side of it, and that's what I think was what actually caught me with Red Army. It was what seven, six, seven years ago, wasn't it? Two thousand fourteen, thirteen. Yeah, uh, two thousand fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, 15, yeah. Um, and I mean, it was one that um, just you know it, it interested me to see what was behind the scenes because I mean, I've I've met quite a few times uh, Vladislav Tretiak and. I remember asking him, what was it like playing, you know, with these guys, like with these, like, you know, legends of the game and under the coaches that you played. And he said that, you know, it was, it wasn't just hockey. It wasn't just brotherhood. It was actually love. We actually loved each other and we loved playing hockey. Um, do you think that like players in Russia have lost that? Uh, I think so. Uh, I think, you know, back then and let's say in the Soviet Union, I mean, they, these guys lived with each other. They, they, they lived, they played all day long, every day with their team members. They really didn't get out a whole lot. And so I, I guess they sort of built a really strong bond with each other. And I think there's a little bit of the philosophy in the Soviet Union kind of it's not very individualistic. Uh, you know, we all got to do this together. Nobody's sort of a star. We're, we're you know. We're all kind of no one's above anyone else. I think, even though that that ideology is a little extreme, let's say, but there was I would say a lot more of that than in the, so let's say the West. And so they bonded, and they they also were bonding. I think under kind of difficult circumstances too, like having to stay on the base that time and being treated, you know, maybe not so well relative to like let's say how hockey players were treated in the West, you know, and so they. And they bonded with their love of the game and the style of play that they played, you know. They're with each other. The reason why they played so well, I think, is that they they knew each other so well. They knew not just, you know, kind of athletically and on the ice, but even off the ice. And that's not really what goes on nowadays and, and on hockey teams and in national teams. You know, you, they don't have as much time together to bond, and, and therefore it's not – I think it's not as exciting on the ice or creative because of that. You know what I'm saying? But it's just yeah. the way life is now. It's just a different world, different place. So I think the closer you can get to people in communicating athletically, the the more interesting you'll do on the ice. And that's what you, that's what you saw. And the love. It's all great playing. It's come from love of the game, you know, and joy while you're playing. So. Because I, 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 I want to ask you about another uh, film you worked you, that you, you made as well, uh, just enough. But first, I want to start off the reason you, you come on to us because of Red Penguins, which, of course, um, everything I've read about it, everything I've seen of it. Uh, one of our colleagues is there tonight, covering uh, Double N. He's there in, in the theatre tonight uh, watching it for us. Um, first of all, tell us how you began on this story um, and how you got your hands on it. And also, just what... What is it all about? Because it looked like something that could be a great idea, but then just went very, very badly wrong. Yeah, okay. So 
to start this off, so Red Army was incredibly successful in 2015, and I got, you know, I went, started off in Cannes Film Festival and kind of ran all, all over the world, and it was distributed by Sony Pictures, and basically, when I was going through the festivals in New York, after one of the screenings, this guy came up to me, uh, you know, kind of a short Jewish guy, Steve Warshaw, came up to me after and started pitching me this different story, he said, wow, you know, your film was great, Red Army, but I I don't know if you know what happened in 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 Russia in the 90s and with this Red Army team, it was absolutely crazy. You know, I, I lived it. I, I was there. And I kind of wasn't very interested in that because I just told this huge story. It took me a lot of time to tell it. And, you know, to cover similar territory wasn't that interesting to me. But he did. He, he was persistent. And so he sent me a box, a really big box of, of archival material about this team and what happened in Russia in the 90s with the Red Army team, that the famous team and how they went bankrupt and how they needed somebody to come in and help save them financially and how the players all left to play in the NHL and it was the the, the team was becoming extinct you know with Viktor Tikhonov it went from being the greatest team in history to nearly extinct in one year and so basically what happened was is the Pittsburgh Penguins uh they had just won another Stanley Cup with Mario Lemieux, and they felt like it would be a great opportunity to, to basically own the Red Army team 50-50 with the Russian uh, coach, Viktor Tikhonov. And, and so they invested in the team, in Red Army team, and took 50% ownership, and they sent over a marketing guy, this guy Steve Warshaw, who's kind of very eccentric, Woody Allen kind of marketing <laughs> guy, over there to kind of go oversee this and try and turn the team around from being – you know, the, the, basically, uh, the, the, the stadium was dilapidated. No one was coming to the games. And Steve went over there to try and make it into a huge show again. And so that's kind of what the story is about, is this very improbable, almost impossible business deal, you know, between uh, the U.S. NHL team and, and the Red Army team. I mean, the fact that a military-owned team that was the pride of Russia, that was really the pride of Russia, uh, was up for sale in the 90s is is insane. You know, and that they, that an American team at that time w- would own it. I mean, think about that. No, it, 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 look, it seems impossible, but then again, at that time, everything was for sale. And I think that that's, yeah. that was kind of like shown in the movie. But where did it all go wrong for them? Because again, we're, we're now in this modern day and age, we see, you know, um, Saudis owning, you know, two, you know, a Premier League team in England, or we see a Russian guy buying a basketball, well, the New, Jer- New Jersey Nets. We see all these multinational companies. Uh, I mean, my goodness, in the English Premier Football League, I mean, most of the teams are foreign owned. I think only three or four of them are, are owned by English or British people. Um, mm-hmm. What went wrong with it overall? Was it just that it was a bit too soon or was it that the guys didn't quite understand Russian culture? Well, yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think that there's a little naivety there where the Americans in the 90s, early 90s, were, were Americans and Westerns were, were flooding the Russian market. They saw a lot of opportunity to, to get in early and to kind of be pioneers and make a lot of money. Uh, and so the the NHL team, the Penguins, thought that they would get an early look at a lot of the younger uh, talent in Russia through through the Red Army team because you know they would be the first one in there. They would get you know even one or two players to come and play for the Penguins would be a, a win. So and and they wanted to 
you know, bring the brand to, to Russia. I mean, ultimately, Disney became interested in the Red Army team. They wanted to buy it at some point. So, so this guy, Steve Warshaw from the Penguins, turned this Red Army team literally within, I want to say, a year from, from a place that no one went to to like the biggest show in Russia. He, you know, they would have like live strip shows and halftime. They would <laughs> give away free beers. They would have bears. And the circus skating at halftime. He had all these, you know, really out there marketing ideas. You know, almost extreme because in Russia in the '90s anything was was uh, it possible. Was, like, and there it was, was no laws really. You know, everything was being rewritten. Exactly. I mean, and it, it is something now. I mean, I love going to KHL games here because Spartak for me have the best uh, show, the better uh, best music. Mm-hmm. Um, Dynamo have done brilliant since they moved into their new arena, um, the VB Arena. Uh, of course, Spartak and Siska now share the same arena, um, and or sorry, Siska and Spartak share the same arena, and uh, you know, Siska. They, it seems like some ways are stuck in the nineties, but. You know, again, it does seem that magical thing. I can't wait to see it. I am going. I'm waiting. But yeah, um, well, well, they 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 made it into an incredible success. Okay, in 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 Russia then, and and what happened was like a lot of things at that time. As soon as you start making money and there, there's visible success, that's when kind of the the, the mafia came in and criminal <laughs> element, and and a lot of people wanted a piece of that success, and ultimately. You know, Disney was going to buy the team. It was becoming, you know, that crazy and big. And and ultimately, it became an an impossible situation for the Americans because they were being threatened. People were getting shot. You know, it was just uh, pretty, you know, it became pretty dangerous. (laughs) Dangerous and a mess, yeah. Which is kind of metaphoric for so many other businesses that came there at that time. Exactly, yeah. It was the Wild East in every sense of the word. I mean, um, and again, of course, it's lucky that that happened with Disney because then then they went away and created the Mighty Ducks. So we're kind <laughs> of like, well, we're happy with that. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, um, no. before, before we go, uh, what uh, the other one that uh, I watched actually last year, I, I was delighted to see it was In Search of Greatness. And mm-hmm. some of I mean, it was fascinating. Wayne Gretzky, I'm a huge fan. I was like, just terrific mm-hmm. player. Um, Pele, of course, I grew up uh, loving him Jerry Rice I admired him I didn't like him sometimes playing with the 14 because he was just so good um, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm kind of looking at that and thinking one thing that you focus on was the individuality that now it's being coached out of players and I'm bringing it back to how we began our conversation that the love has yeah. gone from the game now it's all goddamn structures yeah yeah I mean that that's the key with In Search of Greatness what that movie is about is about the need for artistic and creative freedom in sport and not just in sport in any field really but but true greatness comes from exploration and from understanding your own ability and skill set you can't you don't have to be the fastest or the strongest or technically the greatest you, you, you know most of the greatest athletes from Messi to you name it any of them they they had deficiencies big deficiencies when they were growing up like whether they weren't strong enough like Wayne Gretzky they didn't but they used those deficiencies to their advantage by rethinking the game and being creative having a different understanding of the game and and that's that creativity is what made for the greatest athletes of all time and that's my main message is is to is to allow that freedom and passion and joy versus over coaching and over structuring everything 
because that's not what creates greatness. And we all go to the stadium to watch those moments of creativity. That's what we remember. And and and, and I think we've totally lo- lost that idea. And and I'm trying to bring that back and and make people also have people have fun with the game, whatever game they're playing or whatever they're doing. It's, it's just really about like the passion and love, you know. No, I think I'm, I'm fully with him now because of course we know that Messi, he, you know, he had, uh, you know, growth deficiency. So he now yeah. continues to take, to try and, you know, go to, well, we've got five foot five, five, well, five, 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 six, something like that. Is there a worry sometimes in some of the athletes that we look at that we kind of, I mean, just, you know, Serena Williams, whoever it may be, or, you know, Michael Jordan, we kind of think, oh, like in hindsight, you know, a few years down the line, you know, because for example, in Russia, we're looking at these great athletes and then suddenly they're found to, you know, have you know feet of clay is there ever a worry in that for you that maybe we should try to you know encourage kids like taking part to love the game rather than trying to kill at all costs to win yeah i mean i think it's a little bit of both the michael jordan is an interesting example that he well, okay why was he so maniacally competitive you, you see this in a lot of uh, very successful people they're sort of almost sociopathically competitive though they want to win at everything they 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 almost want vengeance you know that michael jordan notorious for anyone who crossed him that might have you know got in his way or tried to he he always remembered that you know and part, that might come from you know his father was uh you know didn't think a whole lot of him when he was a young kid and he felt like he he wanted to prove his father always that that he was a great and whatever it, it, you know that can drive people so my point is, is that the anger that's inside of you can be turned around into positive uh results right yeah it's just what fuels you we, we need fuel to to give us that will to to, to get up in the morning and and, and and, and have that drive. Where does that come from? Well, that can come from anger sometimes too. You know, that is true. Well, it can come from a lot of things. It could it could come from passion. Just you love it so much. I think that's kind of what Wayne Gretzky yeah. brought. But but Gretzky was also fueled by some neg- negativity too. My point is, is that look, it's okay to have negative feelings, but maybe you could turn those around into positive results. You know. That, listen, Gabe, on that. Turning negativity into positive results. I'm going to leave on that. And thank you so, so much. And the very best of luck. I'm, I'm fingers crossed that you're going to win a lot of awards for this because I think it's, oh. it's, so, it's a story that needs to be told, a story very well told. And thank you so much for your time today, Gabe. Thanks, Alan. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thank you so, so much. So, guys, Gabe Polsey, of course, the director of Red Penguins. We're going to go to the break right now, coming back with our big, fat, filthy quiz. So, uh, we're going to go out with a song I think you're, you're going to like. This is Usher and Yeah, back after this.
After a nice long chat there with Gay Pulse, you just have to remind everybody that, of course, the Red Penguins will be out on our screens here in Moscow on TV screens uh, this coming autumn. Uh, well, in the next month, I should say. Uh, it'll be on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and all major cables on demand uh, in Europe, the USA. And of course, look, BBC are going to release the film as well uh, this autumn, but uh, we will be able to see it here in Russia on our TV screens in the coming 
dream month. Okay, uh, it is now <laughs> 6-2 Aston Villa. Uh, 71 minutes gone, 6-2. Um, right, we're going to go out to the big fat dirty quiz. Uh, in order, uh, I'm going to welcome you all on. Peter P, you're there with us? I am indeed. Okay. Andrew Flint, no crowing over, uh, well, it could be 7-2 quite soon. Uh, you're there with us? Oh, I am, and I'm, in, I'm finally enjoying life again. All right. Um, I know Derek. Derek, you there with us? Do we have you there? No, 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 Derek. Okay, Derek is gone for the evening. Andy Mack, you are there? Still here. Nice one. And uh, Alex B, you are with us? I am. And Eastult, of course, you are there behaving yourself. I'm reveling in Liverpool's misery and still glowing from Spurs' win. Yeah. Uh, Andy, Andy, what were you saying, Andy Mack? What were you saying about that like that last goal that was going in um, from Liverpool? You were, you were giving a commentary to us uh, just on, online a, a, moment, a moment ago. Uh, no, no, I was just mentioning the, the, the last two Aston Villa goals. They should have just had a seventh, actually. But uh, the last two Aston Villa goals have taken massive deflections. So um, e- even more enjoyable. And then uh, Mr. Klopp was um, laughing at his misfortune. So um, <laughs> even he sees the funny side of this trouncing, which is good because the rest of the country is also enjoying it. Of course, indeed. That is, that is the God's answer. Okay, right, we're going to go straight into the quiz right away. Um, we're going to start off, we've got three rounds this evening. We've got to cut it down because we're overrunning in time. So, starting off with Indian Premier League cricket, okay? So, you get, you need to give me the name of the team, starting off with Peter P. Peter, what is the name of the team from Delhi? The Delhi what? Oh, God. <laughs> The <laughs> Delhi cows. No, and it's not like I'm not going to give you a point just for making a good joke. No, Delhi capitals, not too bad. Okay, Andrew Flint, the Chennai. Uh, Super Kings. Good man, well done. One point. Okay, Derek isn't about, so we scratch that one. Uh, Andy Mack, the Rajasthan. Uh, Royals. Very good. A point for you. Alex B, this is an easy one for you. Uh, the Deccan. Deccan. The, the Deccan. Uh, <laughs> what, what sport is this? <laughs> oh, Jesus, we're back to Peter for you again. Right, this, just... it's cricket. Just just name a name of a team. The... <laughs> go on. Have a go. Just do a random one. What's the what's what's city again? Deccan. Just do a random one. The the, the the Deccan cricket team. <laughs> You're going for Washington again? No, it's the, the Chargers. The Chargers. Isolt, the Gujarat. Uh, the don't, don't Gujarat say, yeah, is the Lions. Hello? Yeah, Gujarat Lions. Yes, you are correct. But I do have an argument for you both. I don't think Deccan still playing. No, they're the gone. Hyderabad team. Yes, they're yeah. gone. They're Hyderabad gone. Hyderabad team, I actually enjoy. I just said... The uh, it, okay. That's it. We also had the, the uh, Mumbai Indians, but I let that go. Okay, missing words straight away, okay? I'll give you this one for an interesting answer, two for the, the right one. Peter P, this is a tennis one for you, because I know you love tennis. Joanna Conta, what? <laughs> Joanna Conta, what in Paris? This is from BBC's sports website. Joanna Conta, what in Paris? Uh, loses or something. Oh, do you know what? Oh, it's false. 
But you know what? I'm going. I'm going to be very kind today. I'm going to give you two points. Well done. Well done. Okay, because you're a COVID survivor. I I appreciate that. I did. I did earn it. I'll take him. I'll take him. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Andrew Flint, for you. Uh, Tiago wants to what the cop? <laughs> Keep it clean, please. This is from the Liverpool Echo. <laughs> Tiago wants to what the cop? Clopping <laughs> <Clop> in the. <laughs> go on, Andrew Flint. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it clean. Wow, the cop, mm. which is currently losing 7-2, I might like to add. 7-2? Oh, my. Okay. Uh, thrill the cop. I will give you two points because, fair enough. You, you Wow, thrill. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Andy Mack, for you. This <laughs> You're going to like this one. Um, okay. Mane doesn't know how he what. This is from the Daily Star. Mane, this is also a liberal question, doesn't know how he what caught COVID from Donald Trump. <laughs> At least I'd be more worried it was for Melania. Yeah, uh, it's actually caught COVID. I'll give you two points for that. You got that. I'll, I'll ignore the Donald Trump bit. Um, Alex B, for you. This is a football one, a soccer one. Russian clubs face what in Europe? This is from the Match TV website here in Russia. Russian clubs face what in Europe? Teams better than them. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alex B. Alex, go on. Sorry. <laughs> Alex, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, what team's better than them? That's really the only thing I can. I'll give you one. It's a cold winter, okay? Uh, Eastlet for you. And I don't. No, just go through it quick. Aidan O'Brien pulls four horses from the Ark due to what? Contaminated feed. Contaminated feed. Well done. Uh, listen, Isol, quick, 30 seconds. What happened with Aidan O'Brien's horses? Quick, quick, so 30 seconds. Aidan O'Brien, four horses due to run in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, one of the most prestigious races um, other than the Arc. And basically, all four horses tested positive for a substance which led to a flagging. And the provider of the food, in this case, a crowd called gain unfortunate when there's an adverse finding mm. have had to come out and basically say that their food was actually contaminated um rather than the horses taking anything or okay. being given anything let's okay. be clear horses okay. never dope themselves okay there you go <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> all right so going into this final round it is all there to play for because peter p is on two andrew flint is on three andy mack on three alex b on one and Eastlet is on three as well so it is very, very alex you can you can do this okay five points for a right question for this one okay so anyone can win this is throwing it all up into the air right uh first one for you peter p it's uh either or okay so just give me one answer so what year did the uefa champions league become the uefa Champions League. When was it rebranded? Was it 1991 or 1992? The second one. <laughs> 92, well done. <laughs> the second one. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Andrew Flint. Um, okay. Uh, who has made the most Champions League appearances? Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? Oh, I'm going to have to say Lionel Messi. You should have said Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. Peter uh, P is beating you tonight. Peter P is beating you. This is... Oh, okay, yeah. right. Right. Uh, down to Andy Mack. Andy Mack, okay. Uh, who has the highest goals per game average? Is it Ruud van Nisselrooy or Robert Lewandowski? Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with Lewandowski. 
should have gone with Rude. Okay, you should have been Rude because he, he uh, Lewandowski has 0.76 and Rude has 0.77. Okay, right. Uh, on to Alex B. Oh my God, this could be, oh, this could be a big good play for the books. Um, all right, uh, Alex B. Paris Saint-Germain, they play which Manchester club? Is it United or City in the Champions League this year? United or City? Alex, pick one. <laughs> they will. They will be. Who will they play off against? Yeah, against Manchester City. Uh no, they'll be playing Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Isol, you get this, or you'll get this. So, Zenith, Saint Petersburg, Lokomotiv Moscow, and which other Russian club have are in the uh, UEFA Champions League group stages this year? Is it CSK Moscow or Krasnodar? Um. Oh, God, I'm going to go with Moscow. Oh, you should have gone with Krasnodar. And Peter P is the champion. Peter P is the champion today. Well yes, done. I did, I did earlier. You see, Alan, 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 There you go. When you said to me, Peter P is beating me, you said it like it was an insult or something. <laughs> you I, mean, I, I would be, I would be. knowledgeable chap. <laughs> I know. I just thought it was just shocking. All right, folks, thank you very much for that, guys. We'll talk to you, of course, next week. Take care of yourselves. And uh, the two boys in North America, look after yourselves. Eastlet in Dublin, look after yourself. And uh, Andy and Andrew, look after yourselves. And also, we do have to remember, listeners, it's somebody's birthday on Thursday. Right? Uh, it's not Andrew Flint, it's not Easelt, it's not Peter P, it's not Alex B, it's not me, but it's someone who was just talking a few minutes ago. So there we go. So uh, we'll sing my happy birthday next Sunday, okay? Because it's not good to say happy birthday before the birthday in Russia. Okay, folks, uh, thank you very much. And uh, guys, talk to you next week. Folks, we're going to go away. Uh, folks, as in listeners. Um, listen, just want to go through a wee bit because just as we're rounding up tonight's show, like it's a difficult one for me to sort of to go through. Um, because of COVID, I wasn't able to get home to Ireland to pay my last respects to my uncle Kevin. He passed away uh, this week. Um, he was a great athlete. Uh, he played Gaelic football. He ran for the Irish team in athletics. And he loved, listen, he lived sports. Um, he used to laugh at me when he heard me on the radio. And he was saying like, ah, oh, well, you know, you've got a perfect face for radio. Uh, I miss him. I wish I could have told him just one last time that I did. Uh, and thank you for being a great uncle and a great friend. Um, folks, the nicest words are usually... You know, they're said after a person has just passed away. It's no good to that person. Um, so I'm going to just leave you with this before we go away tonight. Um, this message, Leo, if you send a message, make a call to your loved ones. Let them know you care. Let them know you love them. Uh, because believe me, if I could have my dad, who passed away seven years ago this year, my uncle Kevin, for just one minute, I thanked her for making me a better person. And both would turn around and say, listen, would you shut up and go and enjoy yourself? They'd make me laugh. They'd make me smile. And they would know just how special they are to me. So remember, say that to your loved ones. So folks, we're going to go out um, paying tribute to all of our loved ones because life is there to live. Okay? Let them know it. 